Amen. Thank you to the worship team. Yeah, you could sit down, unless you want to stand. See, that's why I sat through worship, because I'm going to stand now. Oh, you all look good today. You all look rested. Are you feeling rested? Well, three of you had a good night's sleep. The rest of us, we should have all just called each other and had some tea. Oh, so um, last month I spoke with you about follow my presence, and we looked at the book of Joshua and the children of Israel crossing over the Jordan, and as long as their eyes were on the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of the Lord was before them. Today I just want to rewind a few books of the Bible, and um, I want to look at Sometimes things that could interrupt the Lord's presence. <laughs> Excuse me. So we're going to be looking at Exodus chapter 32 and 33. And we're going to see what happened to a people when they got doing some things. By the way, I didn't say it, but maybe the kids saw it. You're all dismissed. Dismissed to go to youth and dismissed to go to children's Sunday school. Amen. We love the kids, right? Even when they're running around, even when they're noisy, we love them because they're gifts. Some, some of you had a, a pretty busy week, right? Pretty heavy week. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes we go through weeks that are, that are just a little more unprecedented than other weeks. But I believe that the Lord wants to speak to us this morning, and so I'm just going to ask you, I know I've said it a few times, but just put on your listening ears, and if you could in your heart say, Holy Spirit, speak through me. Because I know that for those that need a God-sized intervention, God will give you that God-sized intervention. For those that are just waiting on a promise of God, that promise is on its way. But we need to recognize the presence of God. Without the presence of God in our lives, we're as good as naked. We're as good as naked. The thing is, we are too caught up in what it feels like. Like, for instance, we come to the altar, we pray and we worship, or, or maybe someone prays for us, and we feel something happening. And so we translate that feeling to the presence of God. And so when we are going about our days and our weeks and we don't have that feeling, we think that the presence of God is, is not there. We need the presence of God in our everyday life, and it takes us recognizing him. It takes us reading his word. It takes us having conversations with him. We have come so attached to our phone. Have you ever noticed that when you leave the, the house, you are not just looking for your keys anymore? Once upon a time when our phones were nailed to our wall, we weren't looking for our phone. We weren't like, oh my gosh, I gotta get, I gotta get to work, and I can't find my phone. Where's my phone has anybody seen my phone we never said that once upon a time we went to work we were like where's my keys has anybody seen my keys i need my purse is my keys in my purse where's my keys look in the coat pocket you wore last and, and you're looking for your keys but now we're more concerned for our phone than we are even of our keys 
And really what we should be doing is, Lord, I'm going to work. Lord, I'm going to this appointment. Lord, I'm going to this place. I need your presence. That's really what we should be doing. We should, every time we see our phone after today, today we should be saying, I got my phone. Lord, I need your presence. Before you even acknowledge your phone, Lord, I need your presence. We need to carry his presence and be carriers of his presence. But here's the thing. He promised his people that his presence would be with them. And in Exodus chapter 32, Moses was up on Mount Sinai. And while he was up on Mount Sinai, his time with God delayed his coming down to the people. And so here they are all at the foot of the mountain with Aaron the priest. And while they're with Aaron the priest, they got a little bit impatient, waiting for Moses to come and share with them all that God had given them. And so instead they said to, to, um, to Aaron, you know, let's, let's, take, let's, let's make some gods. Let's make some gods. Verse 1, when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up, make us gods. Who shall go before us? As for, Moses, as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we don't, do not know what has become of him. And so Aaron said to them, imagine Aaron said to them. This is a, just a bit concerning. Aaron was a priest. Aaron was Moses' right-hand man. Aaron said to them, Okay, take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. I promise you he wasn't collecting an offering towards the, the betterment of the, of the church to take care of any expenses. No, 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 no. He says, bring them to me. So all the people took off the rings of gold and that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. What, what catastrophe just happened here? Oh, Moses isn't coming, Aaron. Moses isn't coming. We don't know where he is. Oh, we don't know what has happened to him. Come on, Aaron, you make us some gods. Okay, come on, start giving me over your gold. And he makes them a golden calf. Since when was God a golden calf? And the people say, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. I can't recall a time prior to this scripture that God ever was a golden calf. Or that there was ever a golden calf that went before them. Or that there was any mention of a golden calf that this should be even here. But yet Aaron says... This is the one who brought you out of. You see, the problem is, brothers and sisters, is that we look to the means of man to be our rescue from our situations. And then, oh, when we're rescued from that situation, we go, oh, you know, if it hadn't have been for so-and-so, I don't know where I would be. If it hadn't have been for such-and-such, and we lay claims to our, our step 
stepping forward or stepping out of as a result of man's doing. And this is what they did. They gathered all this gold and they made this golden calf and worshipped him. Worshipped, worshipped it, excuse me. And that golden calf was now marked as the one that brought them out. I'm going to tell you whatever pit and whatever circumstance you can find yourself in, no matter how difficult it is, even if an individual, even if a friend came along and said, come with me, even a friend, if a friend brought you to church per se, it is not the friend that brought you out of the pit. The friend was the vehicle, the means that you were brought out of, but it was the Lord himself who saw you in that place who saw you and said, no, I need you out of that place. I have redeemed you. I have brought you out of that slavery. I have brought you out of that bondage. Amen. Oh, but we're quick to sing the praises of an individual. We're, we're quick to raise up golden calves and say, oh, look what the golden calf has done. And so Aaron is doing this and Moses gets word. Moses gets word. But you know what? It, it says actually this in verse 10. When God saw, when God saw what they were doing, he says, therefore let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them in order that I may make a great nation of you. God's saying, leave me alone. Get away from me. I am burning mad. That's it. Let me burn in my anger that I may consume them. We cannot take the presence of God so lightly that we just throw it around like, oh, I need it today. Oh, because I'm going to do this important thing. Okay, God, I need your presence. And we put it on today. But tomorrow we throw the jacket off and we pick up our phones and we pick up our friends and we pick up all our other means of resources rather than fully depending on the presence of God. And then we blame him when things seemingly are going wrong. God, where are you? God, why haven't you helped me out of this mess? You know, 1 Samuel, I just have to take a little trip over to 1 Samuel for a brief, brief minute. We're not parking there at all. But in 1 Samuel, Eli, you know what? There was stuff going on in Eli's house. And his sons were sinning with the women in the, in the gateway, uh, the threshold of the, of the church, if you want to call it, the corridor. And um, Eli was forewarned to bring correction but a prophet came to Eli and he said this in in first uh, Samuel 30 far be therefore the Lord the God of Israel declares I promise that your house and that oh I'm sorry first Samuel chapter 2 verse 30 Therefore, the Lord, the God of Israel, declares, I promise that your house and the house of your father should go in and out before me forever. But now, declares the Lord, far be it from me, for those who honor me, I will honor, and those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. 
Those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. And in other words, he would lift off the hand of his presence from them. You honor me, I'm going to honor you. But you, if you dishonor me, if you despise me, I'm going to lightly esteem you. I will lift my presence from you. Here we see that happening with the children of Israel. They build this, this golden calf and God is unhappy. He was burning with anger, hot against his people, wanting to consume them. And then Moses comes in and he says, just, just, God, just a minute, just a minute. He intercedes. Just a minute, God. Remember, you're a covenantal God. You're a promise-keeping God. You remember what you spoke to Abraham? Remember when you said to Abraham, come out of your tent, Abraham, and you showed him the skies and, and you told him this was how many descendants he would have. God, you remember what you said to Abraham? Lord, what about to Jacob? Remember what you said to Jacob? You told Jacob that he would have a, community, a, a nation of communities would come out of him and that even out of him would come kings. God, remember your promise to Jacob? Could you imagine? Genesis 35, you can go and read God's promises to Jacob. You can go and read his promises to Abraham in, in Genesis chapter 12. And Moses is saying, God, before you consume them with your anger, God, before you get mad, remember your covenant, your promise-keeping God. And so because of Moses' intercession to God, and because of Moses going before God, he comes down to Mount Sinai, comes down from Mount Sinai. Imagine, he has just gone before God on these people, and when he sees the catastrophe with his own eyes, even now he is angry. He is angry, and what does he do? He takes those tablets that he had of God, and he crushes them, and he burns them, and then he, make, and he pours that, those, those crumbs, if you want to say, the ashes, into the water, and then he made the children of Israel drink the water. Moses became so angry with what they had done. What are you doing? You are raising a calf up as a God. When you have the God above you who has been the cloud of fire, the, the, the cloud by night, or fire by night and the cloud by day. What are you doing? He has proven his presence with you time after time. He brought you out of the, de the, the Red Sea. What are you doing? Why have you done this? And the pe and people that Moses then goes back to the presence of the Lord, and you can read it in 32 verse 30, and he says this. The next day Moses said to the people, You have sinned a great sin, and now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make an atonement for your sin. And so Moses returned to the Lord and said, Alas, this people has sinned a great sin. They have made for themselves gods of gold, but now if you will forgive their sin, but if not, please blot me out of your book that you have written. If you would forgive their sin, but if not, please blot me out. Moses takes upon himself. 
he takes upon himself the responsibility of what the people have done. He was in the presence of the Lord. He was waiting on God. He was receiving from God all the ordinances. And they were down there playing ring around the, the, the what's it called? <laughs> they were playing that. And now he's saying, God, forgive them. But if, you, if not, please blot me out of your book that you have written. And then the Lord says to him, Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. Moses, you don't have to carry this. I will blot them out of the book. But now go, lead the people to the place about which I have spoken to you. Behold, my angel shall go before you. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit, I will visit their sin upon them. Then the Lord sent the plague on the people because they made a calf, the one that Aaron made. What did God do? What did God do? Moses goes to him and he, and, and, and he appeals to the Lord. And what does the Lord do? He takes out the main offenders. He takes out those who have been the, the culprits of stirring up this idea so that they won't have a, an influence anymore upon his people. You know what? Sometimes people need to be blotted out of your life because they are having a wrong influence upon you. They are causing you to forsake what you know to be true of the presence of God and take upon yourself a false representation of his presence and, 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 and of his promises. And so there God says, no way are you going to influence my people anymore. I will blot you out. And so those who were guilty, he removed. He removed. Then he brings a plague upon them. We don't know what kind of plague it is. But we know that they suffered from this plague. And we know that it came as a punishment from God. But then this is the one that gets me. He says to them, you're going to go into the promised land, but not with my presence. You're going to go to the place I've appointed to, for you, but it won't be with my presence. I'll send another representation. It will be my angel, but it won't be my presence. Oh, it's going to be the land flowing with milk and honey, but my presence won't be there. You can go. You can possess it. The consequences of walking in your own leading the consequences of looking to man to be your direction, looking to man to lead you, the consequences of chasing after your own gods, it comes at a price. It comes at a price. And so Moses is concerned. Sin omitted the blessing of his manifest presence in their life. He would not be the one, God would not be the one going before them. Exodus 15 verse 2 says, The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. Do you know who said that? 
the children of Israel when the Lord brought them out. Doesn't that sound like you and me? When the Lord does good to us, praise the Lord! The Lord's delivered me! Hallelujah! That's what they said. But now, look at this calf. He's the one who brought us out of Egypt. Look at the calf he brought us out of Egypt. Oh, Lord, this is my God. I will praise him, my Father's God. I will exalt him. How quick we are to flip over. How, how quick we are to cross over to the other side. God's presence is lost because no place is provided to maintain it. Israel promised God that they would never forget him. Do you remember making that promise once upon a time? I'll not forget what you did for me, God. And the next thing you know it, you're engaging in that sin again. I'll not forget, Lord, how you, how you rescued me. Next thing you know it, you're repeating it again. Have we not made the same promises? Promises that we will surrender our hearts to him and quickly lend it to another. Oh, but Israel quickly ignored God's presence. <coughs> they forgot his word, and that's much like us. Oh, it's okay, Pastor Melody. Um, you say what you want, but I know his word says that he will never leave us in for or forsake us, that he will always be with us. Let's look at Hebrews 13, verse 5. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Funny that he put money in front of that. Because what's one of the things that causes us to leave the Lord the, when we're chasing after the riches of the world, right? We, some of us today, some Christians in Christianity and Christian jump, not in Logos though, okay? We are no different than the children of Israel. They worshiped a golden calf. They were impatient waiting for Moses to come down from the Lord's presence. Why? Because they wanted their God. What was this, this golden calf? What was the golden calf? It was simply something that was deeply rooted within them. It was a problem of the heart that was deeply rooted within them. It represented an indifference towards the commandments of God. Moses was going to go and be in the presence of God. He was going to go and receive all the ordinances of God. But these people couldn't wait patiently. They couldn't obey. Oh, they sang the Lord's praises today, but tomorrow they were making their own God. They sang his praises while he rescued them out of the, the, the Dead Sea, the Red Sea. I don't know why I keep saying Dead Sea. Out of the Red Sea. But then tomorrow, they couldn't wait for him to show they couldn't wait for Moses to come and bring them the word why because the prophetic voice was not there that voice that thundering voice that would speak on the on behalf of God was not there instead there was Aaron and though he was a priest he was soft 
soft, soft towards their sin. You know, there are, there are churches that could be soft that way. They could be called the seeker-friendly church, the church that wants to draw people in by the atmosphere, by the lights, by all the great bells and whistles. And people are coming. Oh, you got to see this church. It's spectacular. Oh, you've got to see the great lights. Oh, you should see their stage. Oh, you should see, you should see, you should see. What about you got to go to this church? Boy, when they preach. Oh, my gosh, my whole body tremors. Oh, my goodness. When they open the word of God. What about going out? the word of God. You see, the, the children of Israel, they weren't, at, they, they were without that prophetic voice. They were without that thundering voice. And instead of Aaron rising up to the place and being that bold voice and saying, no, we will wait. We will wait upon the word that Moses is going to bring us from God. He said, bring me your gold. Bring me your gold. Let us make for us a God. A poor example, a poor example. How do we recover though from this? How do we recover and redeem the presence of God? God told Moses to take his people and to lead them into the promised land. And so Exodus 33 verse three says, go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go up among you lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff necked people. All of God's blessings, his promises, the full inheritance that he has for his people, all without his presence. You have to make a very important decision in your life, and you feel you want to do it. Can you be as Moses and say, God, I'll go, but not without your presence. I'll do this, but not without your presence. Lord, it doesn't make sense to me. I feel like I'm to go, but Lord, not without your presence. And this is what Moses said, verse 15 to 16. And then he said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be made known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? It is not in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth. God, don't take us from here if your presence is not going to go with us. Don't bring us there. Don't send us there if your presence isn't going to be with us when we get there. Because, Lord, without your presence, we don't have a voice that leads or directs. Lord, without your presence, we don't have some, uh, the strength that, it, that we need to fulfill what is before us in that place? Because, Lord, we know the giants lay there too. And so we need the presence of God. And so three things happened before the cloudy pillar of God's presence returned. Verse 4 of chapter 33. When the people heard this disastrous word, they mourned and no one put on his ornaments. Verse 7. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting, and everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. 
Verse 9, when Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. What happened before the cloud of God's presence returned to his people? They mourned. They mourned. They recognized the loss of his presence. They wept. There is nothing wrong. You know, you could be crying at the altar for tears of joy, but you could be also crying because of some sin. You could be crying because of some disobedience. You could be crying because you've recognized something in your life that has caused the hand of God's presence to be lifted from you. And so here were the children of Israel. They mourned. They wept, and then they repented at the sad news of God's departure. They learned that God will not dwell with a stubborn people. Brothers and sisters, it's a hard word to hear because we always want to hear the words that get us excited. We all want to hear, God is with you, and he is. God will go before you, and he does. But we don't want to hear what we need to do. We don't want to hear that I can't dance with the devil and expect God to be dancing with me at the same time. Come, Jesus, hold my hand. La, 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 me and Jesus. And um, we can't dance with the devil. We can't be watching our dirty movies and reading our Bible at the same time. We can't be drinking our wine and taking our communion. We have to know that to walk in God's presence and to have his presence in our midst and to have the manifest presence, the manifest presence will demonstrate the works and wonders of God. In order to have those things in our midst, it means that each of us individually goes before the Lord and clears the slate of our lives. I take accountability for what's in my life. You take accountability for what's in your life. And when we walk together before the Lord, each taking accountability to keep our slate clean, you know what happens when we come together? There is a pure unity in the building. And you know what happens when the Lord's presence shows up? It is a manifest presence because there isn't any sludge that is prohibiting it. There isn't any murmuring in the camp like what Marion and Aaron, Marion and Aaron, Miriam and Aaron were doing. <laughs> That's what happens when you get three hours of sleep. Anyways, that, there isn't the murmuring going on. There isn't the, the, the tell, tell, tattletaling. <laughs> no, instead, hey, brother, I was thinking about you this week. Your, your face came before me. I prayed, how's everything going? All of a sudden, because there's no agendas in our heart, because we're not partaking of the enemy's camp, because we're not going in that place and, and, and flirting with it, because we have put God back on the throne of our life, now he could manifest his presence through us. And so they had to mourn and they had to weep over what they had done. For the Lord God, the Lord said to Moses, verse 5, say to the people, 
You are stiff-necked saint people. If for a single moment I should go up among you, I would consume you. So now take off your ornaments. Take off those things that identifies you with your past. You know, some of us wear our past like a great big trophy medal around our neck. It's just, it's just a necklace. And we're proud of it. It's just a necklace. There's nothing wrong with it. You know, some cultures have different ornaments. You know, I know in the culture I'm from, there's this ornament called um, the pepper. It's, the, it's against the malokia, against the evil eye. So there are some people that would wear that to protect them from the evil eye. Can I tell you that when the Lord wanted them to take off the ornaments, in this fashion it was those golden ornaments that they had made. But in our fashion today, take off your sin life. Take off what has held you. That part of you that was former you, it's gone. Don't go digging it back up. Don't go flirting with it. Don't think that, you know what? There are some people that think they got saved tomorrow and they tomorrow, saved today and tomorrow they can go in the bar and be a witness. You're not ready to go in no bar. That bar will witness you getting all drunk. And somebody's going to call you an Uber. If the Lord delivered you from something, take it off. Take it off. If the Lord delivered you from a former style of dress, don't put that former style of dress back on. Take it off. Clothe yourselves in the, in the robes of righteousness. Christians say they want the presence of God, but they won't put away those things that distract him from them, that distract them from him. I want your presence, Lord. I want your presence. Oh, check to see if I got another text message. Lord, oh, Lord, would you, Lord, would you just come and fill me with your presence? Checking my phone again. Oh, Lord, you know, I, I, I just need a word from you because, you know, Lord, this, and, and, and we're going... And we're checking for our, 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 our phone again. We're constantly checking. <laughs> you know, it happens in church here, right? Somebody's phone vibrates and we all hear it. But guess what? We all check to make sure it wasn't ours first. And then, then when we see we're in the clear, it wasn't my phone, we turn and give the person whose phone it was a dirty look. We do. Come on, you know you do. Just have a good laugh and get over it. <laughs> Put away the things that distract you from the Lord's presence. I saw this little mini, like two minute, uh, I don't even know what it was, if it was a TED talk or some sort of talk, and the guy was saying, pardon? No, I don't know. Maybe it could have been that. But anyways, the guy was saying, that how dangerous the phone is and that we think when we are out with our friends and we have the phone on the table that when we put it face down, 
We're telling our friends that they have our attention. But 75% of us have something else that vibrates. And we just go like this. Oh, I know. I know. Because we get the messages on the... We need to remove the distractions. I'm using the phone as an illustration because everybody has a phone. And the problem with being a pastor is sometimes you could say something and somebody thinks you're talking to them. I'm not talking to anybody specifically today, but if the Holy Spirit is talking to you, then can you please listen? Listen. Because you know what? You may wake up tomorrow morning and say, Good morning, Lord. Where have you been? And I've been here all along. I've been just waiting for you to put away the phone. Put away the phone. Pray for Linda's business. That's what it says on here. A reminder. A reminder. We have to put away those things that distract us from the Lord. Joshua 24, 14 says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Put away those things and serve God. Some of you today need to hear, serve God. Some of you don't come to the altar because you're too afraid what others may think. No, serve God. One time a minister gave, gave me a microphone and he wanted me to pray. And as he gave me the microphone, he said, obey God. And I thought to myself, obey God, obey God. And I, I was so distracted by the phrase that when I opened my mouth to pray, at, in, a, in the brief moment, I couldn't pray. But I came to understand what he was saying to me. Pray what God puts in your heart to pray. Obey what he puts in your heart to pray. Don't worry what man will say. If you have to come to the altar, you come to the altar. It is better that before God you are right than being right before man. Joel said this in Joel chapter 2, Yet now, even now, declares the Lord, Return to me with all of your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts, not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Who knows? whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Return to me with all your heart. Some of you might have to fast. Some of you may have to weep. Some of you may have to mourn because you're so attached You're so attached to that addiction, you can't see your life without it. And so you go through a mourning period. You go through a period where your mind is just dizzy and crazy inside. Because the voices are trying to draw you back to the former. And God is saying, return to me. Return to me. Deuteronomy 7.26 And you shall not bring an abominable thing into your house. 
and become devoted to destruction like it. You shall utterly detest and abhor it, for it was the it is devoted to destruction. God is not joking. Deuteronomy seven twenty six. Don't bring an abominable, an abominable thing into your house. Be careful what comes into your home. And I don't just mean in the physical, but yes, it can apply. I'm also meaning your house as in the temple of the Holy Spirit. Be careful what you allow inside your spirit that you are not allowing an abominable thing. Sometimes we are just surfing on our TV and an abominable thing could enter our eye gate. The commercials that they have on TV are disgusting. The things that they have people doing with each other just to lure you to watch a TV program. And you have to turn your, your head away. You can't even watch something, even on YouTube, if you were to watch a sermon, you can't even watch a sermon without some sort of pop-up ad that will come up and distract you from the sermon. The enemy is all around. Be careful what you allow in your house. Be careful. Turn off, turn off your gods. When, when, when the Lord said to Joshua, put away the gods that your father served, the actual translation of that was to put off your gods. Put them off. Put them off. Don't just put them away. Don't just say, well, no, I'll just put it here for later. Don't just put it off. It's a throwing away. It's a getting rid of. Moses lastly pitched a tent. And when he pitched a tent outside of the camp, it was so that people could come and they could worship God at that tent. Outside the encampment, only those who wanted to seek God were willing to walk to this tent. Exodus 33 says this, whenever, verse 8 to 9, whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up and each would stand at his tent and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. And when Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent and the Lord would speak with Moses. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. The presence of the Lord returned. How? Moses pitched a tent. Moses pitched a tent, and the people were able to return to that place, that encampment, and they watched for the cloud of the Lord's presence. Let me bring it home to you. Where are we at? John 14, 21. Because some people don't like if you park too long in the Old Testament, but the Old Testament is revealed in the New Testament. John 14, 21, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and listen to this, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. How do we get to see the manifest presence of the Lord? How do you get to see the manifest presence of the Lord in your house, in your car as you're driving to your errands, your appointments to work, and you're worshiping God? Well, it says right here, whoever has my commandments, 
That word have or has is an, is an expression that says, it's, it's an expression that declares it like this, I'm making it my own. I'm making it my own. These are God's commandments for me. These are for me. They're not just for you. They're, they're, they're mine. They're how I'm to live. It's, it's how I'm to go about my day. I'm to take the word of God. This is, this is my GPS for my day. This is, how, this, this is my map for life. These are made just for me. When a person has taken God's word, the commandments of his word, and made them his, their very own, he says, I will manifest myself to that individual. That's what it's saying. Whoever has made my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Manifest. You know what that means? To, to make openly aware, right? To, to be made openly known, to appear. Something that will break forth in front of you. The, the Greek word is empa, emphasio, emphasio, to show oneself to come into view or to appear. The Lord will show himself. He will appear before you. He will, in essence, emphasize before you who he is. He will manifest his presence. It, it communicates a sense of the declaration saying, you know what? I'm here with you. I'm here with you. You take my law, you take my word, and you live according to my word, and I am here with you. You take my word with you, and you go to work, and, 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 and you read it on your break time, or you listen to it in your car as you're driving. I'm right there. I am manifesting myself in you. But you know what happens to you as you take the word of God and you make it your own and it becomes you, it becomes your identity and the manifest presence of God begins to show up in your life? Then you know what happens to you? People begin to notice. People begin to notice. And they begin to see, they're, they're drawn to you. Sometimes you wonder why everybody comes to you with, your pro, with their problems. Because there's a sign that says, Jesus heals. There's a sign over your life that says, I have an answer. There's a sign over your life that says, I have a promise that I'm living for. And so people are drawn to you. There's a light that they are drawn to you, and it's the manifest presence. You might not see it, but the world that is in darkness sees the manifest presence of God dwelling within you. Why? Because do you not know that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit? You are a temple of his presence. You are a temple that God dwells in. Moses pitched a tent so that they can go to the tent, so that they could see the presence of God. But now, God, we have become that tent, that dwelling place of God, so that his presence shines. Why? Because it says in Corinthians that we, when we look into the word of God, that we would be changed from glory to glory. What is that saying? When we look into the word of God, we're going to see the face of God. And when we see the face of God, the face of God will transform us. Because when I look at 
God's face and I'd see my reflection of who I am, then I'm surrendering to him, Lord, take that away. I don't want anything to mar your reflection through me. Lord, take away those insecurities. Lord, take away those doubts. Lord, take away those fears. Lord, take away those wrong desires. Take it away that I may live manifesting who you are, that your glory may be manifested through my life. Lord, take it away. Then people come into the church of God and they don't understand, why am I crying? Because the presence of God. You greet them, hi, how are you? I don't know what it is. This morning I came here and it just felt so good. The presence of God. The manifest presence of God. And how does it come? Because we then surrender ourselves. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are not the temple. We are the temple of the living God, 2 Corinthians 6, 16. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And then later on, in, or earlier in 1 Corinthians, it said, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You've been bought with a price. Those children of Israel quickly forgot the price that was paid for them. They quickly forgot all the dead bodies that were buried in that Red Sea. And they made that golden image. Why is it that when Noah, when the, the rains had ceased and the, the ark came to a stop, Noah sent out a dove, and the dove couldn't find a place to rest, and so the dove came back. Why was it that the dove couldn't find a place to rest? Because there was too much carnage, there was too much death. But the Spirit of God is looking for a place to rest on that which is living and you are alive in Christ. The old man has been put off. The old carnage has been put off. You have been made new. Don't give yourself over to idols because you feel as though God didn't show up when you wanted him to, because you feel as though God is up there on the mountain only speaking to, the, to Moses. Wait so that when the word comes to you, you can receive it. That's why I said this morning, let's just clear our hearts so that you could receive what God wants to say to you. Because he wants to speak individually to each of you this morning. His presence wants, is here to dwell with you. Psalm 16, verse 11, and I just want to wrap with reading these verses. You make known to me the path of life. 
In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. When we have the presence of the Lord in our life, he makes known to us the path. James 4 and 8 says, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded people. Hebrews 10, 19 to 22. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, thank God we don't have Aaron leading us. Since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Some of you are living in the guilt, but know today that if you have gone to Christ, he has washed you clean. And that in walking in his presence, it does mean that you have to put it off, throw it off the former self. Deuteronomy 31 and 6, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread. Of them, that is the enemy. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. You have something troubling you. You have enemies of the heart. You have enemies of your mind. Know that God is with you. Don't fear those things that are troubling your, your mind. But let God be with you and let God deal with it. Joshua 1 and 9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The Lord your God, not an angel. The Lord your God is with you. The Lord your God is with you. The Lord, your God, is with you. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. For you are with me. Do you think that that's only for when you're sick and dying? Oh, no, no, no. That valley of the shadow of death could be you walking to your old former self. That valley of the shadow of death could be you returning back to your old addictions, for you returning back to your old sins, going back to the things that made you a dead man. But no, you've been made alive in Christ. So don't go back to those former things. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me because your rod pulls me out. Your staff leads me. Isaiah 4, or Psalm 46 and 10, Be still and know that I am God and I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Oh God, you are my God. Oh God, you are my God. Can we say this one together? Read it with me. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. Is that your song today? 
Is that your song today? Can we stand up as the, as the band comes, comes in? And let's read it again. And make it your prayer today. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. My lips will praise you. As the worship team leads us in a song, I'm going to ask you this. That you would make a commitment today to put away the golden calves of your life, whatever it represents. Whatever it represents, maybe it's idle time, wasting time. I'm not here to be anybody's judge. But we want to see the presence of God in our midst. We want to see the manifest presence of God that when people come in and they need healing, that they can encounter a touch from God. We want to see the manifest presence of God that when people come in possessed, they leave free. We want to see the manifest presence of God that when people come in bound, that they leave with the chains at the altar and they walk through the doors in freedom. We want to see the manifest presence of God that we are free to worship, not worried about what online users may say. Not worried if we would be taken off the air. But that we can speak in the freedom and the liberty of his word. We want to see the manifest presence of God that shuts the mouth of the enemy. That even when we're in the lion's den, the enemy cannot touch us. We want to see the manifest presence of God. That even when we're in the fiery furnace, he's the fourth man in our fire and we come out not even smelling like smoke. We want to see the manifest presence of God, but saints, brothers and sisters, it requires you and I getting on our knees. It requires us saying, Lord, cleanse my heart. The first mistake would be to say, I have nothing for God to cleanse. The first mistake would be say, well, there's nothing wrong in my life. Right there, pride. We all need to come to the altar this morning. And we all need to see a visitation of his presence in this house. Not for you and me. No. No, for those that are lost out there. For those that are out there that are saying, where is your God? They need to come and see where he is, the power of his might. For those that are out there that are on their way to hell, they're lost. But the Lord is searching them out. They need to come and see that God is real. God has been revealing himself to so many people appearing before people, appearing to Muslims. 
appearing in dreams, appearing physically. Why? Because he is proving himself real. Let it begin in the house of God today. Let it begin in the house of God today that we today can say, yes, God is real. Yes, I've encountered freedom there. Yes, I went to the altar and I left and I knew God did business in my life. Amen.